The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3, the Bible says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the privilege to be able to come, be able to open the Bible, grow and learn together. Speak to our hearts, we do pray, over these next few minutes that we have together, please. And Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, if you will. As I was thinking about the big day we had last Sunday, and as I was thinking about all the things that people do in our church, I just want to say what a blessing it is to have you uh, in our church as individual members, and what a blessing it is to be able to be your pastor and to be able to walk beside you as you serve Christ and as we try to reach a world with the gospel uh, this coming Thursday uh, because of uh, uh, different ones. It's in our church, Mrs. May, uh, Dr. May's uh, wife, of course, uh, Ryan May being used of the Lord to get us in the Saxe High School, and we'll be there on Thursday uh, night, and then so many other uh, public schools are opening up to us now here Amen. in the area with Brother Denton Bell leading the charge on that and others joining in. What a blessing that is. And then uh, be able to go to the foreign fields. I think seven foreign fields our church has invested in this past year and going and having uh, soul-winning uh, leadership conferences and training people. And what a blessing that is for people to get involved. And then the bus ministry. My, 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 all the people that's in the bus ministry and the Sunday school teachers and the nursery workers and those that sing in the choirs and those that prepare for this, that, and the other. What a blessing to have a church that works together, that prays together, that has a burden for people to come to know Christ as Savior. So I want to speak tonight on you are important to God. You are important to God. Let me give you some reasons tonight where I believe that each one of us are important to God. Statement number one, you are important to God for your testimony. You're important to God for your testimony. Here's what Paul writes to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 2. He says, you are our epistle uh, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Uh, to the church at Thessalonica, he writes this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15. He says, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold uh, to the traditions which uh, ye have been taught. It says, whether by word, I'll watch it now, he says, or by our epistle. And what he's saying is that we are your example, Paul is saying. And he's saying this, that you are important. He said, your epistle is important. The things that you've heard, the things that you carry forth, you are important. When I think of those that's received Christ as Savior, those that received Christ as Savior down at the death expo. Can I tell you with uh, uh, Marcus coming this morning, uh, receiving Christ as Savior down there when our uh, workers that's in the death ministry went there uh, to be able to give the gospel. Well, if they had not have gone, uh, that young man or others might not have 
heard or received Christ as Savior. You are important. I think about the times where we have an after-church fellowship, and with that after-church fellowship, many people dive in and help. And I'm talking about in various ways, whether it's picking up a chair, picking up a table, cleaning up the gymnasium, or other places like that. You are important for those that are ushers that uh, take the job of ushering. And so many do we have. And can I tell you, that's an important job. I brought the lawn crew up this morning and recognized the lawn crew from the little guys to the big guys and how important it is for those that serve on the lawn crew to be able to do that for the Lord. Your testimony is important. We have men now that go down to the homeless on Sunday afternoon, Brother Butler, Brother Sherwood, perhaps others in that group of men that go and they go down to reach the homeless on Sunday afternoons and oh my how that is so important uh, the businessman ministry that we're starting that is so very important and you're important in everything that you do so it's good that you keep a right and bright testimony make sure that your testimony is what it ought to be in front of a lost and dying world you're important to God because of your testimony statement number two uh, you're important because of your talent now in the Bible when the Bible talks about a talent specifically talking about it in Matthew chapter 25 verses uh, 14 through 30 you'll see that here's a man traveling to a far country and he leaves those that are behind working for him different degrees of talents uh, to one he leaves one talent to another he leaves five talents to another he leaves ten talents the one was so fearful about that which was his master and said I know that you're a hard man and uh, and therefore I went and I was afraid so I buried that talent so you know what the Bible teaches the Bible says in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 28 the Bible says take therefore the talent of him and give it unto him that have ten talents and so what did he do he took the talent that the man had and he buried it now let's look at that word if you will and just take it as it's given today when we deal with talents when you think of a talent you're not thinking of that which is a talent of silver or a talent of gold you're not thinking about that which is a substance but rather you're thinking about that when it comes to a performance, if you will. You're thinking about that when it comes to the ability, a talent that you have. Well, uh, would it be good for us to bury our talent? Would it be good for Brother Kenny that plays the uh, piano so very excellent uh, to be able to say, well, I'll tell you what, I'm just giving that up and I'm not going to play the piano no more. Uh, would that be good for him to do? Would it be good for uh, 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 oh, different ones, Haley perhaps that sang or John that sang in that solo just a few minutes? to go with the college to be able to say I'm not going to use my voice uh, for that which is the glory of God would that be good for those of you that have organizational skills and you're you're very refined in what you're doing and trying to help people and love people and put your life into people would it be good for you to take that talent and bury it in the sand uh, would it be good to be able to take the talent that is substance if you will and bury that in the sand uh, for people to take and have things but not share things for people to be able to have substance of some type and not be able to use that uh, for God's glory, whether that's your car, uh, whether that's your vehicle, if you will, maybe not a car, but maybe a van or even, yes, a motorcycle or, or your house even, to be able to use that which is a substance for God's glory, to be able to transport somebody to the church, to have somebody over your house, to be able to fellowship with them. Would that not be good to do? Would it not be good to do 
to take that which you have. God has been good to you and God's given you that. Would it not be good to take that and use that for God's glory to be able to help others uh, come closer to Christ? It's not what you have that's important. It's what you do with what you have that's very important. Uh, some of you have uh, just outstanding, outstanding uh, types of ways that you deal with people. Uh, some of you can take somebody that's on edge and you can bring them right down to where they're comfortable in speaking with people. Uh, some of you have abilities to be able to take and help people with the knowledge that you have about the Bible and the knowledge that you have about guiding people. Could you not use that for God's glory? I'm saying this. I'm saying you are important to God. You're important to God because your testimony is important to God. God's been good to you. If it wasn't for the grace of God, you and I tonight would not be saved. You and I tonight would not be able to go to heaven. But because of the grace of God, you and I are saved. God's given us a testimony for Christ. And uh, we ought to thank God that, that God that has given us a testimony. Now, can I say this? Uh, you're important because of your testimony. You're important tonight because of your talent. Oh, may I say this as a local church pastor? You're important tonight because of your tithe because you're tired. I remember uh, traveling as an evangelist for 12 years and oh I remember uh, coming out of a church and uh, a brother came up to me and, and uh, he gave me his tithe. He gave me his tithe and he said I want you to have this and this was at another church years ago and I said oh I can't have that. That doesn't belong to me. That belongs to the Lord and I said you need to put that there right there in the offering plate but oh I can't take that. God would judge me. God would judge you. No, that's not a good thing to do. The tithe belongs belongs to the Lord. And so uh, understand that you are important because of your tithe. If it was not for the tithe, the lights would not be on. If it would not be for the tithe, the air conditioner would not be on. If it was not for the tithe, the buses uh, would not run. If it wasn't for the tithe, all the many missionaries that we support and give good support to, can I tell you, we'd not be able to do that. If it wasn't for the tithe, we wouldn't have a Christian school. If it wasn't for the tithe, we would not be able to have that which is a Bible college. If it wasn't for the tithe, the you and I would not be able to uh, print the gospel tracts and get the gospel tracts out to people all over the world. Can I tell you, it is good for us to be able to give what God has given us the way that God says we ought to give it. James chapter 1 and verse 17, the Bible says, And every good gift and perfect gift is from above, and cometh, it says, Down from the Father of lights, it says, With whom there is no barrenness or shadow of turning. And so the Bible teaches that God is equally giving to those that deserve that equal giving and being a recipient of that. He's good unto all that call upon him. Can I tell you this? That when you have something that God does for you, you ought to thank God for it. When God gives you good things, you ought to thank God for it. When God gives you things that are gifts, if you will, you ought to thank God for it. Because somebody comes up and they hand you a little bit of money. You ought to thank God for that. Uh, somebody comes up and they give you some type of material possession and that you ought to thank God for that. I'm amazed as I get older in the ministry, as I travel America, and uh, uh, my wife and I, uh, I'll be here preaching on Wednesday night, but uh, I'll be preaching for my dear friend, Dr. John C. up in Frederick, Maryland, tomorrow night and Tuesday night. And uh, I have young people that's at that church I've had a little bit of influence over, over the years. And can I tell you, uh, I look forward to seeing them and seeing what they're doing for God. Uh, you know, uh, it's almost like as you you get older, you get the privilege to clip some coupons. Uh, uh, those kids that surrendered to go into full-time service all oh, way back in the day when I was at Central Baptist that, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi.
Mississippi, and then uh, uh, there in Tennessee, and then and Brooklyn, New York, and uh, oh, so many different places. And and uh, those that uh, surrendered to uh, going to the ministry under uh, our ministry of evangelism. It's a wonderful blessing to be able to see that somebody is still with it, and somebody is still doing what they're supposed to do. And every time that you get to see somebody like that, it's a blessing. Why? Because every good gift, did you know a person can be a good gift to you? Did you ever meet somebody that's Henry? Did you ever meet somebody that when you get around them, you just wish you wasn't around them? When they walked in the room, you wanted to walk out of the room? Hello? But isn't it a delight when you walk into a room sometime and somebody stands up and they smile and they shake your hand and they make you feel uh, like uh, uh, you're important and that you belong. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying that uh, those good gifts come from God, but let's not forget our finances. Oh, some of you live in refined homes. Thank God for it. Some of you drive nice cars. Thank God for it. Some of you have nice suits of clothes. Thank God for that. Some of you have pens that write. <laughs> and thank God for that. Now, may I say, uh, God gives us those things. We have a wonderful God tonight, and God has been very good to us. Uh, Matthew 23 and verse 23, the Bible says, Woe unto you, scribes and uh, uh, Pharisees and hypocrites. It says, For uh, it says, Ye pay the tithe of mint and of nice and of cinnamon, the Bible says. And yet, it says, You have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, faith, these things, what you have done. And not leave, uh, it says, the other undone. Notice in that verse, if you will, he says to these that are lost people, he says, Now, wait a minute. He says, Ye pay the tithe. He's talking the lost people. Now, why is it that lost people are supposed to pay the tithe? Well, they breathe God's air. They walk on God's soil. And uh, it's like paying rent, if you will. Now, may I say this? Listen, the Bible talks about how it's important for you and I. I'm talking about it's important. Uh, uh, you're important to God. And it's important that you use your testimony for God. You're important because of your talent. You're important because of your tithe. The Bible says in Malachi, you know this one very, uh, very easy. Does this one come to you? A lot of preachers use it. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. The Bible says, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. House. Uh, the Bible says that there be meat in mine house and prove me now therewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now, did you know that God will bless you when you tithe? He will bless you when you tithe. Uh, and so if we keep God first in our life, oh, and by the way, if you're going to trust anybody with your money, why not trust God with your money? I mean, you ought to be able to trust God more than anybody else. You can't trust somebody that don't know anything about the stock market to be able to help you with your finances, but you can trust God because God knows all things about your finances. May I say that you're important to God because of your testimony. You're important to God for your uh, tithe. You're important to God because of your talent. You're important to God because of your temptation. Your temptation. You know, the Bible talks a lot about temptation. Uh, uh, you know what God is wanting? God is wanting us to make it through life without being overcome by temptation. Oh, it's a sorry day when I uh, hear that a preacher has fallen into sin. It's a sorry day when I hear that a missionary has fallen into sin. Oh, it's a sorry day when I hear about a wife that stomps off and leaves the husband because the husband's trying to serve God. It's a sorry day. It's a sad day when all of a sudden I hear about teenagers that was taught the way to go, but they decide not to go that way anymore. That's a sad day. 
It's a sad day when all of a sudden a teenager rebels against a godly daddy and a godly mama that's trying to raise them right and trying to teach them the way in which they ought to go, and yet they decide not to go that way. Oh, that's a sad day. The Bible says about temptation, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, the Bible says there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, uh, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you're able but the Bible says, will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. All right, so the Bible says that with every temptation that comes, there's a way to escape. I've often looked at this verse, and it kind of reminds me of a, uh, of a submarine where all of a sudden now uh, the submarine is coming up. It's been down in the depths of the sea, and it's coming up, and all of a sudden that hatch opens up. And when that hatch opens up, there's a way to escape. And did you know that every time you're tempted, every time you're tempted, I don't care if it's a small temptation, I don't care if it's a, 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 a middle-sized temptation, it doesn't matter if it's a big temptation, but the Bible teaches that every time you're tempted, God will always, always make a way to escape. The reason people do not escape and they succumb to that which is the temptation is because they don't look for it. Uh, they got their minds on the temptation and the mind that's on the temptation will always override them It always will suck them in it will always conquer them But if you look for a way to be able to escape can I tell you tonight God always provides the way now? How does God do that? Well, the Bible teaches that in book of Luke chapter 22 book of Luke chapter 22 and verse 46 The Bible says and said unto them why sleep ye arise and pray lest ye enter into temptation So how is it that you overcome temptation? Well stay awake Now you can't stay awake all the time, but you can be alert You can be alert when the temptation begins to hit you broadside you can be somebody that says, well, I know if I go that way and I know if I do that, then uh, it's going to cause me not to be what I ought to be. Why don't you consider the end of it instead of the beginning of it? You know, those that are drunkards today, they don't consider the end of it. They only consider the beginning of it. You know, those that are uh, locked in on drugs and they have heavy drug addiction, they only consider the beginning of it. They did not consider the end of it. You know that boy, that girl that sneaks around behind mama's back and doing things that they ought not to do. Here's what they did. They considered the beginning of it, uh, the pleasure of sin for a season, but they didn't consider the end of it. Oh, that person that cheats on their income tax. Uh, they considered the beginning of it, but not the end of it. That person that goes out and they steal something from a store. They consider the beginning of it, but not the end of it. I'm saying this. I'm saying that the devil wants to trip you up, and you have to decide that you're not going to be tripped up. How do you do it, preacher? By being alert. Statement number two, by praying. Luke chapter 22 and verse 40, the Bible says, and, and he said, now listen to what he says here, and, and when he saw, listen to it now, and when he saw, he says, at the place, he said unto them, pray that you enter not into temptation. So it's just not being alert, but it's praying. You may I remind you, please, dear friend, that your arm is flesh, and the Bible says that the arm of the flesh shall fail you. There's no way that you can overcome a temptation by yourself. There has to come a time when you get real with God and you go to God and say, God, I'm telling you I'm having trouble with this and I need your help to help me overcome the problem that I've got. And maybe nobody knows about your problem but God. 
But God can help you. He loves you. He cares about you. And he wants to help you every single step of the way. Luke chapter 22 and verse 46, the Bible says, And he said unto them, Oh, why sleep ye? He said, Arise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. So you have to arise. You have to be alert. And then you're supposed to pray. Then always rely on God. James chapter 1 and verse 12. The Bible said, Blessed is the man that, in, uh, listen to it now, that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life. And the Lord, listen to it, which the Lord hath promised unto them that love him. So what do you do? You endure temptation. Uh, how do you do that? You rely on God. The Bible says, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. There has to be a reliance on God. If I have somebody that's tempting me and he represents the Lord, I've got a choice. I've got a choice. Uh, he can be jumping up and down and trying to get my attention and trying to get me over there. But you know, the Lord doesn't do that. Uh, the Lord uh, whispers into your heart about those uh, verses that was preached or those verses that was taught or, or something that daddy and mama covered in family devotion time. And so the Lord whispers, but the world is always this way. Uh, you don't go down to the mall and see somebody trying to solicit you to go to church. Uh, you don't do that. Most, most of the time that's not happening unless they're from Parkside. But can I tell you, the world is always trying to pull, always trying to get our attention. And young people, you listen to me. That's exactly what the world does. I mean, the world would send some floozy your way. Uh, I'm talking about a girl with loose living. I'm talking about uh, send some type of guy with loose living. I'm talking about uh, the world would try to do everything that uh, it can in order to be able to get you sidetracked so that you will not serve uh, God alone. And may I say thank you, be seated. I'm saying this. Uh, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried. For when he is tried. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised unto them that love him. You can't say that you're loving God when you're sucking on a cigarette. God, let me tell you how much I love you. Mm -mm -mm. That's not a good testimony. You can't say, God, I'll tell you, let me show you how much I love you. Oh, why are you putting drugs inside of your body? That's not a good testimony. You can't say, God, let me show you how much I love you as you're attending some rock concert and you're wiggling and diggling just like everybody else that's on the field. Oh, that doesn't depict the love of God. That doesn't depict what a true Christian ought to be like. I'm saying this tonight. I'm saying that always rely on God. Then remember this. Somebody needs you. They need your testimony. In this area of overcoming temptation, it's good to hear testimonies about people who overcome temptation. I got a dear friend of mine, Brother Chris Dallas, and he lived for the world for such a long time. And Brother Dallas and I had the privilege to preach together in some conferences and whatnot. And Brother Dallas would get up, and what a, a wonderful testimony that, about the deliverance of the grace of God, of what God could do in a person's life that's lived in sin, now living for the Savior. But can I tell you, your testimony can help someone. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 13, he says, I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because you have known the father. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 14, the Bible says, And I write unto you fathers, or he says, I've written unto you, I've written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. Almost just like the verse I read prior. It says he changes the word written. 
And he says, I've written unto you young men because you're strong. And the word of God abideth in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Now he's saying, I'm writing to you young that's overcome the wicked one. Well, if a young man can overcome the wicked one, Brother Kenny, don't you think that somebody that's old could overcome the wicked one? Brother Sherwood said, I think that you and I need to get up sometime, preacher, and sing a duet. I said, I think we ought to, too. I think we ought to go to a deaf concert and sing a duet. That way we could be appreciated. But, you know, can I say this? Can I say that as we step out to use our abilities for God, we know what those abilities are. Hello? I've been out with soul winners that are just excellent soul winners. I've been out with preachers that are, oh, my, can they preach the word of God. I've been out with people, and they know how to lift your spirit. I've been out with people, and they know how to be able to encourage and, and be able uh, to use their abilities for God. I, I've been around people, and, uh, and uh, different people have different ways to be able to sharpen and be able to help, and iron does sharpeneth iron, so the countenance of a friend. I'm saying this tonight. I'm saying that uh, you're important because of your testimony. You're important because of your talent. You're important because of your tithe. You're important because of your temptation. Then lastly tonight, you're important because of your time. You know, time uh, is equal to all. It's equal to all. Nobody has any longer time than someone else. Your time is equal to your life. As much life as you have is as much time as you have. But the Bible says that, that uh, life is but a vapor to appear for a little while, and then it vanisheth away. Uh, we understand that there's 24 hours in a day. We understand there's uh, 1,440 minutes in a day. We understand that there's 86,400 seconds in a day. Uh, you can't relive that. Once it's gone, it's gone forever. The scientist cannot invent any more time. You cannot save it and then uh, go ahead and spend it the next day. You can't bank it. Once it's gone, it's gone forever. Once somebody gives you time in their life, what they're doing is they're giving you a part of their life. Amen. Somebody said this, that after a young person graduates college, for the next 28 years, if they live in a metro area, they will spend normally eight hours a day working, four hours a day eating. 12 hours a day talking they will spend for the next 28 years after graduating college they will spend uh, two years unsuccessfully trying to answer cell phone calls they will spend one year searching for misplaced items they will spend six months going through junk mail given to them by email they will spend four months waiting at traffic lights now, that's the 28 years after they graduate from college if they live in a metro area. Somebody said that you blink your eyes uh, 415 million times in a day. Your heart pumps uh, 2.5 billion times in 24 hours. They say this, that if you live to be the age of 70, that means that you have now lived 613, I'm sorry, 613,000 hours. It means this, that you have 204,400 uh, hours of sleep. That means that you've devoted 176,800. 
1,500 hours to work in school. That means that you've devoted 51,100 hours to eating. I'm not done. That did sound good. That's why I paused it right about there. So not just eating, but bathing. We thank God for that too. And then going to the bathroom. Uh, if, if, uh, if you live to be uh, 70 years of age, that means you've done 76,000 hours of chores around the house. That almost sounds depressing. Yeah, also this, you'll spend 66,975 hours leaving your house to go to some type of activity. Now, may I say this? Uh, time is of the essence you and I ought to decide that we're going to take and redeem our time. Now, why do we do that, preacher? We do that because the days are evil. I'd rather the rapture take place tonight, you be in church, than out of church. I'd rather the rapture take place on a Wednesday night about 7 o'clock or 7.05 for those that's late, and, uh, and you be in church rather than out of church. I'd rather uh, God do a work inside of our life than not inside of our life. You know, I'm saying this, that uh, you are very important to God. God has given you the ability, many years ago when I surrendered, uh, to do uh, God's will in my life. Never will forget, I walked down the aisle June 26, 1982. God had been speaking to my heart about preaching. I never will forget what happened uh, uh, right after that. I thought if I'd surrendered to preach, God would leave me alone. I really did. I still had stuttering problems. I still didn't like big crowds. And I thought if I surrendered to preach, God certainly would leave me alone. And I never will forget, wasn't long after that, a week or so, these guys came to my room and said, you're preaching tonight. I said, no, I'm not. The pastor's preaching tonight. No, we're taking you down to the rescue mission. I got in that vehicle with them. We went down to the rescue mission. I was bug-eyed and my knees were knocking together. My brain was in neutral and my eyeballs were floating towards the end of my head. And I got up and I preached. Five men walked out. I never forget one of those men that was sitting in the back looked just like my daddy. I've been praying for my daddy to get saved a long time. That wasn't my daddy. I know that wasn't my daddy. I was in Florida. Daddy was in Maryland. But I watched that man, and all of a sudden, his bottom lip began to twi tw just twitter up and down, just begin to shake. And I gave that invitation. One of the five men that came forward that night and stood right in front of me that bowed their hearts and received Christ as Savior. I got back in that vehicle that night, and I went back to the college. I sat there in the back. Nobody had to sit beside me. Nobody had to make sure that I was going to stay in my seat. That night, I said, God, tonight I just totally surrender. I surrendered to the call. Now I surrender to the practice of the call. Now for 37 years, I've been doing the same thing. I'm so glad that I've given my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you give your life, and I'm not saying just to be a preacher. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying to be a missionary. I'm not saying to be an evangelist. But whatever God has that's a calling in your life, you ought to resolve the fact that this is God's will for my life, and this is what I'll do until the day I die. But God expects every believer to use what God has given them for his honor, for his glory. God expects you to give your very best for him. And as you give your very best for him, God will bless you. God will use you in every area of life. God's got something special for you.
and God will use you to fulfill that purpose. Father, help us tonight, I pray. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.